Praise God. Come on and give it up for your awesome, awesome pastor, your man and woman of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can't help but love them. They're just so, so, I tell her all the time, she's so sweet. People think she's rough, but she's so sweet. <laughs> and I love, I love the Pastor Stricklands. They are just absolutely awesome. And we're so, Pastor Tony, to be divinely connected to them. And I was out her night. I didn't want this, and I know they didn't want this to be necessary, a church service. She asked me, said there was a few people that was coming that she wanted me to just to share to because we just wanted to do some fellowship. It's more than a few people. <laughs> it's more than I anticipated, but you can take notes. I would, I would dare say you can write some things down, especially if God speaks to you. Sometimes God will speak to you and say some things to you, give you answers to things that you've been wanting to know that I may say and not even aware that I'm saying it to you. And so God is always speaking to us. God is always talking to us. That's a good note to write. God is always speaking to us, always talking to us, and has so much that he wants to share to us if we just have an ear to hear. Somebody say, have an ear to hear. You know, I was, talk, I was thinking just when Pastor Sean was up there talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and how important that is in the believer. And that is top number one priority in the believer. It's not something that you says, well, I don't need that or, you know, that's just for somebody else. So I don't have to pray like that. I mean, you ought to pray in tongues more than you pray in your natural language. This, that's how important it is in the day and time that we are living in right now, you being filled with his precious Holy Spirit. I'll share two stories with you. One, both involving my daughter, but one, she's about, I think, about five or six years old, and we had an altar call for people being filled with the Holy Spirit, and she came, and she said, I want the Holy Spirit, and she came up there, and she had her mouth open, and she was just like, and she started to cry, I was like, it's not happening. I was like, just calm down, baby, calm down. It's going to have you got to relax. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I said, you got to calm down. She said, what am I supposed to do? Go read my sinky. I know my I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she went, oh, 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 I did it. I did it. That's what happens. Anybody have that? that happens? <laughs> Praise God. It's so, it's nothing scary. It's something that you want. You just have to relax and let God have his way in you. So another story happened with her. There was a young lady that came to our church, and we do give invitations for people to come and be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And this lady came, and we would ask you to talk to your neighbor. Hey, you got filled with the Holy Ghost? You want to come? And she's like, I got, she was offended by people always asking her that every time she came. She's thinking, we don't need the Holy Ghost. What's that for? You don't need it. Why are people always asking? And so people invited her. We had this prayer meeting, and she came to the prayer meeting, and she's in there praying. And then during this prayer meeting, you know, I had different people praying. And so I said, asked my daughter, I said, go up on the stage and, you know, lead the people in prayer. So she gets up on the stage. She doesn't say anything in English. She starts praying in the Holy Ghost. She's just like, Romo, she like for like 10 minutes or more. And she doesn't. And then when she's finished with that, she just hands me the mic back like, I'm done. And so this lady's in the back of the church. She's crying. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She's from Africa. She says, she's speaking perfect dialect of where I come from. It's a small village. Nobody knows that language. She is speaking it perfectly. I cannot believe that. And she's coming up. She's the same lady who's thinking, no, the Holy Ghost don't need to talk to anybody. And so she's like, I can't believe she's doing that. And then she's, she's interpreting it. She's telling everybody what was being said. And then she's like, I want it, I want it.
what? I want the Holy Ghost. Now she wants the Holy Ghost. And then I said, well, what? And she's like, your daughter. And I was like, well, what's your name? And she says, Antoinette. I was like, that's my daughter's name. She's like, oh, my God. Like, God set her up quick, <laughs> like, really good. So God has set you up, especially if you think you don't need, you know, what God has for you. And so if you've never experienced that, you don't want to leave here tonight without it. You want to experience everything that, how many want everything things for you? I mean, just greedy for what God has for you. I know I'm like that. And so one of the ways that you can get everything that God has for you, Jude says, pray in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And that is key to your manifestation. Sometimes you don't even know what you're saying. The Bible says your mind is sometimes unfruitful, but you can pray and that God will give you understanding. And so when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you, he'll lead you, he'll guide you, and he'll tell you everything you need to know to be successful in life. Again, uh, there's some things that been on my heart that I've been teaching and talking about with our congregations. A lot has happened since the last time I've seen maybe some of you. Um, and it's been some time since I've been here in Arkansas. But a lot of things have been going on. Uh, we are one church, but we now have eight locations um, throughout the United States in our area. We have recently have a church in Orlando, have a, if y'all on vacation, come see us. <laughs> and we're in the UK now. We have a ministry there that is growing and, and doing some great things. And so God is doing some amazing things among us. And so we are elevating a people to walk in what God is calling them to do. And so I want to give you some, just some nuggets concerning walking in that and just using your faith for whatever God has for you. And it's the simplicity keys to it, but it's things that we overlook in our lives, especially when you're believing God for something or you're, or you desire something in your life. It's like, you know, Pastor Sean said tonight when she would say, I would say to her, believe God. And she said, look, I'm trying. I was like, that's what's wrong. You can't try to believe God. You have to believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say you have to believe God. Amen. While I'm on that subject matter, so we're just going around just talking. <laughs> and so there was a time in John chapter 6, y'all remember the story of Jesus feeding a multitude of people, 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Everybody ate as much as they would. And then Jesus tells the disciples, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. He said, y'all go. I'll meet you over there. And the next day they got up. Jesus wasn't there anymore. They went looking for Jesus. Like, Jesus, where you at? It's breakfast. We still want some more food. Where you at? And Jesus said, you're not following me because of the miracles you saw. You're following me because of the bread you ate. He said, don't labor to eat things that perish. And they were saying, okay, well, teach us how to work the works of God. Here's how you work the works of God. Believe on him that sent him. He said, in other words, believe on me. That's how you work the works of God. Just believe on me. And they said, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven. In other words, they're still concerned about the external, not the internal. And say, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven. Now you, you know, how are we going to get this bread? And he says, listen to me, I am the bread of life. And so he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm going, not going through the whole book of John chapter 6, but it's close, okay? He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they was listening at Jesus, and he's talked about him being the bread of life. He's, and so they looking at him, and it, the Bible said, we can't understand that. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. And they walked away. The whole crowd walked away. 
And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, will you go too? Peter, smart guy, he said, listen, Lord, where are we going to go? You the one have the words of life. And then he says something that you as a believer need to have in your life. He said, verse 69, we believe and we are sure that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Most people believe, but they're just not sure. You believe God can heal, but you're not sure he'll heal you. You believe that God provides, but you're just not sure he'll provide you. You've got to grow to a place in the word of God and the things of God that you believe and you are sure. And when you have perfect alignment in your life with what you believe God is, who he says he is, you'll see manifestation every single time. And that manifestation has nothing to do with what happens externally. It's everything that happens on the inside of you. I see everything and I have everything that God has for me before I have everything that God has for me. You got to have what you say before you have what you say. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And so you have to believe and be sure. And I know that sometimes the circumstances of our life takes away the assurity that we have what God is saying because of what we can see. It's no different than the man who had the lunatic son in Mark chapter 9, and the devil is manifesting his son, trying to destroy his life, throw him in the fire and throw him in the water, and he goes to Jesus' disciples to cast the devil out, and the Bible says nothing happened. Anybody ever pray and nothing happened? There's no such thing as you praying and nothing happened. Hallelujah. They prayed and nothing happened, so something's not right here. Jesus said, he comes on the scene and say, what is all this commotion? And they tell them the story. Hey, I brought my son to your disciples, but nothing happened. Jesus said, well, bring him to me. And he brought his son to him. Then he, the devil manifests. He starts rolling the floor, foaming at the mouth. And then he says, Lord, if you can have compassion on us, please help us. And Jesus said, listen, he said, if you can do anything, have compassion. Jesus said, can you believe anything? We go to God all the time and say, God, can you do anything about my finances? Can you do anything about my marriage? Can you do anything about my life? He said, can you believe anything? Because if you can believe anything, all things are possible to him that can believe. And here we may be where this man was. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What was he saying? Lord, let me not be moved by what I see. What did he see? His son rolling on the floor, foaming at the mouth. I can see these things, but I don't want to be moved by what I see. I believe, but help my unbelief. He brings the son to Jesus, and you know the story. He casts the devil out. Everybody around thinks the boy is dead. Jesus picks him up, and he gives him to his son, to his father. Obviously, he's not dead, and the disciples, they are amazed because they were the ones that prayed, and nothing happened. And so they said, Lord, how come we couldn't do that? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. He said, how be it this kind only comes up by fasting and prayer. But listen to me, another translation, I believe it's the message Bible said, they said, Lord, how come we couldn't do it? He says, because you don't take God serious. Why can't I do it? I'm praying about something, but I'm not seeing anything happening because you don't take God serious about what you're praying about. But if you take God serious, knowing that God answers prayer and God would do exactly what he said he would do in his word, because if you discover God is not a man that he should lie, neither is the son of man that he would repent or change his mind. If God said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Somebody say, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. 
So if things are not happening, it's not because God lied. You got to take, somebody said, take God serious. I think the church needs to be serious about the things of God. And take God serious. You got to have a, you have to be serious about the things of, you can't be praying and wondering, hoping and wishing and maybe something will happen or maybe it won't happen. You got to know that when you pray and when you say something, it's going to happen. There's no, there's no question about it. I believe and I am sure that he has the words of life and those words will manifest in your life. So I jotted down some notes to share with you tonight. All that was free. Holiday. Did I help you? Yes. Philippians chapter 4. And I like to li- read out of different translations. And so I want to read Philippians chapter 4 out of New Living Translation. If you have your tablets and if you have downloaded version, anybody have version? They have all the translations on it. It wasn't enough hands. Download on your apps and your phone, version. It has all the translations. And so the New Living Translations in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let me say that again. Don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. That's some good stuff. And then he says that you will now begin to experience the peace of God in your life, which exceeds anything that you can understand. And he said his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So this peace comes in your life, and the peace of God is the, the, the shalom of God. It means nothing lacking and nothing missing in your life. So he says don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. People ask me all the time, Pastor Cynthia, I'm going through this, and is there anything I can do besides pray? (laughs) Like, okay, I've done prayed, nothing happened, it ain't working for me. Is there something else I can do? We don't understand the power of prayer for one. But here he's saying, listen, when you pray about something, there's no such thing as nothing happening. God answers prayer. He will always answer your prayer. So he says, listen, don't worry about anything. Why the don't worry part first? Because The worry is an opposition to your faith. You cannot exercise faith and believe God and worry at the same time. Worry robs you of your belief in God. So he says to you, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then he says, tell God what you need. And now here's the key to manifestation in your life. He said, now begin to thank God for all he's done. I'm telling you, here's the key to getting everything you need. And here's an indication of your faith in God. How do you, you know, people say, so I'm, I'm exercising my faith. People say to me, I do believe God. I'm trusting God. How do you know that you are really trusting God? How do you know that you really believe God? How do you know you're really exercising faith? I think that would be important to know. If I say I'm believing God and things are not working the way I want them to or things are not going the way I want them to go, then how do I know I'm really exercising faith? How do I know I really believe God? Here's an indicator where your faith is. Where's your praise? Listen to me. Where's your praise? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. 
and then give him praise. Hallelujah. Just thank him for all that he has done. So you don't have a need problem. You have a Thanksgiving problem. Because your Thanksgiving, see, most of the time we wait till we get something before we give thanks. If somebody does something, you, you even teach your kids that, that you, they just gave you a dollar, boy, say thank you. And we teach our kids to be thankful and to say thankful after we've gotten something. But you have got to learn how we're not doing things from a natural point of view. We have a spiritual point of view. When we believe God to do something, when we release faith for it, we give him praise because it is done. Listen to me. He said, thank him for the things he has done. Faith, if you're believing God for something in your life, if you're believing God to do something, that is not faith. Faith is always in response to what I already believe he did. I got to help you because you understand everything that God will ever do for you in your life, he's already done it. Somebody said he's already done it. That's why you can thank for him for what he's done, because he's done it. The moment you ask and you petition, God's not the first time God heard about it. It's not God said, oh, I didn't know you needed that. Oh, my bad. Here you go. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know your husband was going to leave you upside. I must have been asleep on the job. But the first thing you petition God for anything is not the first time God ever heard about it. But he said, when you make your petition to God, now give him thanks. Oh, my Jesus, that is done. Hallelujah. When you thank him, it is an indication of what I believe I receive from God. And you always, just always, always, you hear it all the time. You have to have an attitude of gratitude all the time. Just being thankful. You have to learn how to be thankful. I think we've lost our thanksgiving. Timothy says in the last days and the perilous times shall come and men will be lovers of themselves and they will be unthankful. And God wants us to bring back your thanksgiving to him and in your praise unto God so that you can receive the manifestations of things that you desire from God. But it goes way beyond that. It's the giving of thanks unto God. Do you know your thanksgiving is the only thing that God cannot give to himself? And so he's looking for your thanksgiving for all the great things that he has done. He knows he's God. He knows who he is. But you and I ought to give him thanks. And you know, we have deemed this year in our church, this is a year of harvest, a year of harvesting the seeds that we have sown. And we've been watering our seed with our thanksgiving and believing God for those seeds to manifest this season of our lives. And just, and I said, sometimes when it comes to your thanksgiving, I know it's, you're giving thanks for things that you're petitioning before God, but sometimes when you just think about the goodness of God, when you think about what he's done in your life, anybody have a testimony of God's goodness? Has he done anything in your life? Hallelujah. So if when you think about the little things or the things that God has done in your life and you start to give him praise, it literally uh, boosts your faith to a place that the thing that you're petitioning before him now is nothing. It's like you know it's done because you think about all the things that God has done for you. It's like what we say, count your blessings. 
Sometimes when you're going through some changes, you have to stop and count your blessings and just thank God. Because there was a time in your life when, I, when you used to say, God, if you don't do another thing for me, Lord, I'm thankful. God, I just thank you. You remember when you said that? And then you asked for something and it just seemed like it didn't happen, but now you're not thankful no more. But so you have to keep and maintain your thankfulness. So I started remembering things in my life that God has done. And, and I've been literally just standing up giving testimonies of the things that God has done in our lives and just giving God praise. And this year alone, I've been telling everybody, everywhere I've been preaching, all over, this, all over the states, in the UK, I've been preaching, I've been saying, he is the God of the toilet paper. I, listen to me. I know maybe y'all never needed no toilet paper. But there was a time in my life, and I, I'm, this, this is good stuff to me. He is the God of the toilet paper. And I've been, I used to think about that time when Pastor Tony and I, we first got married. He came home, baby, hand me some toilet paper, couldn't find it. Oh, we don't have none. He said, oh, baby, we can never run out of toilet paper. I said, I know, but we don't have any. I said, but all we have is $5, $5 in the bank. If we take the $5 out the bank, we're not going to have anything else in the bank. We can't do that. I said, we just have to believe God. And so we got together and we said, God, we thank you that you supply all our needs. We thank you for the toilet paper, God. And I'm telling you, there was a lady. We weren't pastoring no church. There was a lady from my church knocked on our door. She said, I just got a job with Procter & Gamble. They gave me all these samples. Can you use a case of toilet paper? I'm telling you, we got, we got the shouting in the house. And we declared that he is the God of the toilet paper. He would do everything. I'm telling you, God is a good God. Hallelujah. And so it doesn't matter what you need in your life. That mocked my life. You hear me? That in that moment of my life when I needed something as simple as toilet paper, not only did God hear me, but he supplied what I had need of. And I realized that he is a God of the toilet paper. Hallelujah. And what reminded me of that is my daughter, we was in the kitchen one day, and she says, Mom, you got any extra toothpaste? All my children left home. She's the only one here, there. She says, Mom, you got any toothpaste? And I was like, wow. I just had a pastor friend of mine that just bring, oh, she just came to visit me, and she says, hey, do you need any toothpaste? I said, no, I don't. She says, well, I got these three tubes of toothpaste. I thought somebody in your house could use them. I'm like, no, but I'll take it. My daughter comes to me later on that day. Mom, do you have any toothpaste? I just sold some toothpaste into a friend who didn't have it, and now I need some toothpaste. And I said, I just happened to have three tubes of toothpaste right here. And I just realized that in that moment, that not only is he the God of the toilet paper, but he's the God of the tooth. I don't know. What's Maybe that's too simple for you. But I was so thankful to God. I, we started, my daughter and I, we started shouting in the kitchen. I started telling her about the toilet paper. She said, he's a God of the toothpaste too, mom. And I said, he sure is. He's a God of everything you need. And whatever you need, whenever you need it, if you just learn how to give God praise when you believe him for something, he'll always show up and give you exactly what you need. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just being thankful fast forward this 
Listen to me. Many, some of you have heard the testimony and how Pastor Tony, now because we travel so much in, uh, in 2001 and 9-11, you know, all these things that happened and took place, it was very hard to take to get transportation or to fly. Sometimes we could, sometimes we couldn't. But if you got an engagement, you got to go where you got to go. And so y'all know the story and how we prayed and believed God. Don't know. Okay, I'm, not, I wasn't planning on telling this, but anyway. And so at that time, we believe in God for our own airplane. And so we just we begin to sow seed. I tell you, take notes, get some nuggets in there. We would believe in God for something, so we knew to sow seed. And so we started sowing seed, and we had to go preach again somewhere. And, and then Pastor Tony was, and we flew commercial. We didn't fly commercial. We flew private. And Pastor Tony said, this is how we're going to fly from now on. And he said, we're not going to fly commercial anymore. We got to the meeting. He said, sow a seed, baby. Sow the biggest seed we've ever had. So I wrote the check, went to the altar, put the check on the altar, and I was, went back to my seat. I was about to sit down. And when I was about to sit down, this man walked over to us, the man of God. He said, hey, God's been dealing with me all day and told me to give you my plane. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I, Listen to me. For somebody to come and tell me that God told them to give me, I was just as excited about the toilet paper as I was the plane. Are you hearing me? When you release faith, when you have thanksgiving, it doesn't matter how small the thing is or how big it is, but if you just believe God with thanksgiving, it will always manifest in the will of God for your life. This man walks over to us and said, God told me to give you my plane. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And then Pastor Tony, he's just standing there. He's just looking at me. He's looking at the man. I said, boy, did you hear what he said? <laughs> he just gave us a plane. He said, I know God's talking to me. I said, oh, Lord, as long as he don't tell you to give it back. <laughs> he, said, he said, keep your faith up. It's not over. I said, oh, praise God. And then two months later, somebody said two months later. Two months later, we're flying down to Atlanta. We have to preach there. And while we're flying there, Pastor Tony, is, we're sitting in the plane, and he says, man, I've had this dream for the last two weeks, and there's a man walking toward me. I cannot see his face, but he's right here, and he is more real to me than you sitting next to me. He said, baby, somebody's about to give us a plane. I said, baby, we got a plane. He said, I'm telling you, somebody's about to give us a plane. We fly there, we land in Atlanta, Pastor Dollar calls us on the phone, he said, hey, won't y'all come by my hangar? And I'm thinking, we're going to preach for him, so he's maybe going to take us out to dinner or something. I'm thinking, oh, that's so sweet of him to take us out. And he goes and he shows us around, he shows us all his planes and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's cool, that's great. See my plane? You know, he's good. <laughs> and he said, and he, showed, he said, I just bought this plane right here, how do you like it? I said, it is great. He takes us in us and we sit us down, and he's like, how do you like it? I said, this is really, really nice. And he says, guess what? I said, what? He said, it's yours. I don't know if y'all heard me. He said, it's short. Uh, did y'all hear what I just said? Let it sink in a little bit. So the story doesn't end there. He said, it's yours. And I said, oh my God, praise God. But I was just as happy. If, I think I probably was more happy, more excited about the toilet paper 
than I was for the jet. You know, you believe in God for some little things in your life, and you're just like, what should we do about this thing? And you pray and believe God within the, that day of needing it again. God just answered that. We sowed seed, believed God for the plane. There was no question about it in my mind that we was going to get that jet. There was no, I didn't know who it was going to happen with, how it was going to come from, and the story is longer than that. But I got so excited. Believe me, I was so thankful to God. So grateful to God, but just as thankful for the toilet paper. You may not be living in your dream house, but wherever you live right now, you ought to be thankful for where you are. You may not have the car you always wanted, but you ought to be thankful for the car you have. I'm telling you, if you be thankful for the little things in your life, God will take you greater than that. There was a young lady in our church that served Pastor Tony and I every now and then, and she was always getting rides to come and be with us, to do whatever she needed to do with us. And um, so we wanted to be a blessing to her. So Pastor Tony and I went out and bought her a car. Now, we bought her a car. It was a used car, but it was a very, very nice car. And we were so excited to be able to give her this car, and we just surprised her. Hey, look, look what we got you. And she came outside, she looked at the car, and she looked at it, and she said, that's not the car I'm believing for. That's what I said when she did that, too. I acted just like y'all did. <laughs> what? Tell your neighbor, said, be grateful. Be grateful. Say, be thankful. be thankful. You may not have everything your heart's desire right now, but you ought to be thankful for where you are. He may not be the best husband he is, but he's the one you believe for and you got. You ought to be thankful because there's some people that don't have one and you got one. You ought to be thankful. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. Let me finish the jet story. <laughs> so since y'all are looking at me like, what? Let me add to that jet story. <laughs> Hallelujah. Years later, we're flying around in our own jets and everything, doing what the will of God, the only call to do. Then our pilot, we have two pilots, great men of God, come to us and they say, hey, the engines are timed out on the jet. What does that mean? That when the engine times out, there's time and how long you can fly before the engine times out. You don't wait till it breaks down. You don't, you know, pull over on the side of the sky. You know how you do your car? I'm gonna ride it till it can't ride no more. You can't do that with a plane. <laughs> when the time is up, you gotta do something about that. You can either get new engines or get a new plane. So he says, hey, get new engines, or get a new plane. I said, well, what does the engine cost? He said, it could cost $500,000. It could cost a million dollars. We don't know yet. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. Pastor Tony said, well, I want another plane. The plane we have, it could take us from here to California. We would have to stop halfway, refuel, and continue the way. He said, I want to go from here to California overseas without stopping. So see, let's believe God for another plane. So we started looking at planes and things of that nature, and, and they, we were pricing planes at the same time, getting ready to move into a new building that we had just purchased. And so we was like, oh my God, we, we're doing all these things. And so I said, light bulb went off. Hey, we believe God for the first plane. And we believe God for the second plane. Let's believe God for this plane. <laughs> so I did what I'm doing now. I started giving my testimony, how God blessed us with the first plane, how the man of God came and gave us, how God gave us the second plane, how Pastor Dollar came and blessed us with the plane. And I believe God, he's about to do the same thing again. He's about to give us another plane. And I'm telling you, we got to the 11th hour. And I'm going, God, I know you're going to do it. Yeah, Jesus. We need a new plane, Lord. God, do it, Jesus. 
And I said, God, I need a word. I need a word to continue to believe and to stand on. I believe you, but I need a word from you. And God took me to 2 Kings chapter 3. I won't tell you the whole story, but you ought to read it. It's a blessing. 2 Kings chapter 3 is about the king of Joram. He was a wicked king, and he, the Moabites was paying him taxes, and they said they're no longer going to pay him taxes because his father had now, Ahaz has died. Ahab had died, and he's no longer giving them money. And so he said he gets Jehoshaphat and said, I want you to go and fight against him with me. Jehoshaphat says, yeah, my people, your people, my horses, your horses. We go, go. They go by the way of wilderness. They're in the wilderness for seven days, and now they don't have any water. And that king says, you know what? God brought us out here to kill us. Jehoshaphat said, no, there's got to be somebody that knows how to hear from God. And they said, there's a prophet, Elijah, who poured water over the hands of Elisha. Surely he could tell us something. And so they go to Elijah, and they say to him, hey, you know, what do, we, what do we need to do out here? And Because we are here, we're thirsty, we have no water, we're going to die in the wilderness. And to make a long story short, Elijah, he calls for the minstrels to play. In other words, he begins to worship. Yeah. Hallelujah. He said, hey, this, the king is, and he said, you know, you're a wicked king. If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. He said, Call, put some worship music on to get my nerves together. And then he prophesied to them. He said, you won't see wind and you won't see rain, but your ditch will be full of water. All you got to do is dig a ditch and your ditch will be full of water. And this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. When I read that, I was screaming and shouting. I was running. I was like, Pastor Tommy. I started digging my ditch. I started giving God praise. I started worshiping God. I began to tell God how great he is, how awesome he is, and how he did it once, he'll do it again. I said, God, I begin to sow my seed. I begin to dig my ditch. And I said, we won't see wind and we won't see rain. What was he saying? You won't know how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. All you got to know is that it will happen. And it is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. I got up and testified. You won't see wind and you won't see rain. But your ditch will be full of water. God would do exactly what he said he would do. And this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Within a week, a man called our church. Never seen him. Don't know his name. Never met him a day in my life. Said, I'm donating my check to your ministry. I'm telling you, God would do exactly. Glory to God. He would do what you believe him to do. And it's a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Listen, you might not be believing God for a jet. You might be leaving for a house, a car, a husband, whatever it is you need. But if you learn how to give him thanks, somebody ought to give him some thanks right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you believe in for something, you ought to give him thanks. Give him thanks that it's done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. He's so good. But I'm telling you, to God be all the glory, but I was just excited about that toilet paper as I was that yet. Hallelujah. He's the God of the toilet paper and the toothpaste and the jet or whatever else you need. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray.
thing. Tell God what you need. Now thank him that it's done. You ought to praise him like it's done. I mean, if you believe God for something and you know it's done, then you ought to praise him like it's done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, let me share with you this. There's a scripture that I've shared with. Every now and then I give people scriptures, and I believe I shared this with Pastor Sean this morning. This scripture in Psalms 115, verses 14 through 18. Now, it talks about God being mindful of you. God has you on his mind. But in the, translate, the Passion Translation, it reads in verse 14, God himself will fill you with more. Blessings upon blessings will heap upon you and upon your children from the maker of heaven and earth, the very God that made you. I need to say that one again. The God, our God himself will fill you with more. Hallelujah. Blessings upon blessings will heap upon you and upon your children from the maker of heaven and earth the very God who made you. Let me keep reading. The heavens belong to our God. They are his alone. But he has given us the earth and he has put you in charge. It says dead people cannot praise the Lord, but we can. Those who sink into the silence of the grave can no longer give God the glory, but we can. So let's praise the Lord. Let's begin now and let it go on until eternity is done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know the dead can't praise him. You wonder why some people don't give God praise in church. Because the dead can't praise him. But we can. And when you got to... Praise on your lips unto God. You know of his goodness and your great, his greatness in your life. You got something to give God praise about. Hallelujah. David said, I can't praise him enough. Can't praise him enough. You and I cannot praise God enough. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Now, thank him that is done then you will experience his peace there will be nothing lacking and nothing missing in your life you're very familiar with psalms 100 look at this it says make a joyful noise unto the lord all ye lands serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the lord he is god and it is he that has made us. Remember, he's the God that wants to give you more. And he's the God that has made you, the God of heaven and earth. It is he that made us, not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. You're not self-made. Even if you have everything you think you need, you're not self-made. The reason why you have anything is because of God. You cannot forget that it's not your good government job. It's not your job that you have. It's not somebody handing you something that you have what you have. It's all because of God. And if you learn how to be thankful, God will fill you with more. Yeah. 
You think about it. You give somebody something and they're ungrateful. Are you going to give them anything else? But if, if somebody give you something and you're, they're thankful, you give them something and you're, they're thankful, what is the first reaction to you? You want to give them more. My kids are like that. They smart. I could bless my child with something or give my kids something. And one of my sons, he's like, oh, mom, thank you. I needed this so bad. I had to pay this bill. And mom, I didn't even ask you. And you gave, I'm just so, mom, you're the greatest mom in the world. And I was like, wait a minute, let me find something else to give you. <laughs> even when I came here, he's like, mom, I just want to thank you. You're just the best mom in the world. I said, baby, go upstairs in my nightstand and look in there. There's some money down there. You can have that. He said, oh, mom, you don't have to give me nothing. I said, no, it's okay. But he said, you're the best mom in the world. Just think of it. God, you're the best God in the whole world. There's nobody like you. There's nobody that can compare to you. You Nobody can do me like you do me. He's like, let me, let me, get, let me see what else I got. <laughs> you being an evil father, a parent, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give to those? He said, verse Psalms 108. 100 again he says okay we didn't make ourselves we are his people we're the sheep of his pastor pasture and so he says listen enter into his gates how how do you enter the presence of God so it's like oh God no how do you enter his presence when your child is upset about something and they come to you, you say, calm down, stop crying and talk to me. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about. You got to calm down. I don't want to hear. When you get yourself together, then you come back to me. You enter into his gates and you enter into his courts. And what do you do? Bless his Oh my Jesus, you bless his name. Oh my God. Okay, back it up. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you. You always, 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 you wake up in the morning, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you, Lord God, I can open my eyes and I can see. Thank God nobody is spoon feeding me. Thank you. That's important. Hallelujah. Thank you. I remember I was in a, a motorcycle accident and I fell off the motorcycle head first. And I said, Lord, I thank you that Pastor Tony is not sitting me in an institution spoon feeding me because I hit my head. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's my story. So here, <laughs> so here, you enter in his courts, into his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into his courts with praise. To make a long story short, just, I just want to put a visual in your mind. Anybody ever been to court? Not because you had to be. You just maybe in the courtroom <laughs> looking at somebody else. Kate went with a friend. <laughs> you went with a friend. You seen court on TV. <laughs> Judge Judy, somebody. It's not enough of you. I can't. Anybody ever seen court? Been in the court? Seen court? Okay. You just look. Okay. All right. This is important. Get the picture. <laughs> in our court system, there's a judge, there's a defendant, and there's a plaintiff, and there's a jury. In the, the natural, you know how the judicial system works, some of you for some point. You know the judge hears the case, the jury decides something, and they present the verdict of whether somebody was guilty or not guilty. 
in the, there is a court system in heaven. God sits as judge. Jesus is your advocate. He defends you. He maketh intercessions for you. The enemy, Satan himself, he's the accuser of the brethren who goes before God day and night and accuse you before God. God has angelic hosts that sits as jurors in this court system. So he says, when you enter into that court system, you ought to be thankful and you ought to give God praise. Why? God, who is the judge, is my father. That's always a winning battle. You already know you got the victory. And so, and then he says, the accuser of the brethren in Revelation says, has been cast out. And so when you, even if you are guilty about something, the blood of Jesus covers you. There is literally, I wish I had two more days here. There is literally nothing can stop the blessings of God from manifesting in your life when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you come in the court system with your praise. When you take your case to court. I can't even tell you the number of people that have been in my church that had a court case that have heard me teach this teaching. And I said, before you go to the natural court, take it to heaven. Go into the courts of heaven with your case and see what happens. Every single one of them, every single one of them have won their case. Hallelujah. Every single one of them. And when you go before God with thanksgiving, you're my advocate. He says, listen to me. He says, when we come before his, the presence of God with thanksgiving, we enter into his courts with praise. Then what he says to you, bless his name. Bless his name. What's his name? <laughs> his name is Jesus. His, the name. Okay, God, this is another message too. I get 10,000 messages in one night. We bless his name. Encompass in the name of Jesus. Hebrew says that God had given him a name, highly exalted him, Philippians first, it's given him a name that is above every name. Amen. Yeah. Philippians, yeah. above every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in the earth, things in the heaven, things under the earth, and every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus is what? Lord. So encompasses his name is the name of God. God gave him a more excellent name than that of the angels of God because there's no one that he has said to them, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your, at, your enemies at your footstool. So God encompasses that name is the names of God, who God is. So get this picture. When you say Jesus, Jesus is not a lucky charm. It's not a rabbit's foot. He's not a sanctified Santa Claus. He, when you say the name of, when you say in the name of Jesus, it's not something that you think that will magically make things happen for you because you just said the name of Jesus when you don't know what's encompassed in that name. And first of all, when you say in the name of Jesus, it's not saying it I'm from an outside position. I am saying it from a position. I am saying in the name of Jesus. Whatever I am declaring, whatever I am saying is because I'm in the name. And because I'm in the name, whatever I say. Oh my Jesus. Whatever I say 
is manifesting or is taking place because I'm in the name. There's a lot more to that. But when you think about in the name of Jesus, or if you think about the name of Jesus, he said, bless his name. God's name is El Elyon. He's the most high God. There's nobody higher. There's nobody greater than our God. There's no circumstance in your life that is higher or greater than our God. There's nothing that should be Lord in your life but who God is. And so when you think about the goodness of God and who he is in your life, understand that there's no circumstances that is greater than your God. He is El Elyon. He is the most high God. There's, nobody, there's nothing that can compare to God. He is Elohim. He is the creator God. He's my maker. He's my Abba. He's my daddy. He's my father. He's my God. He is the creator of the universe. He is God. Are you hearing me? Then he says he is Adonai. He's Lord. He's master. There's nothing that lords over my life. There's no debt. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's nothing that can lord over my life. He's Adonai. He is my Lord. He is my master. I am not enslaved to anything or anybody or anything in my life. Sickness cannot defeat me. Debt cannot defeat me. He is Adonai. And when I say Jesus, Adonai shows up in my life. Are you hearing me? All of this is encompassed in his name. Then he said he is El Shaddai. He's the all supreme God. He's the God that nourishes and supplies. He is the almighty God. There's nobody mightier than he. He calls himself Yahweh. He is Jehovah. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's the God that keeps covenant to a thousand generations. He's the God that cannot lie. He's the God that will not alter the words that come out of his mouth. He's the God that whatever he say, he going to do it. He is El Shaddai. He is Yahweh, God. You got to know. And Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah Tishken, my righteousness. Listen, he made me right. You got to get this because we are in this position now. There was a time, not now, but I hope you understand. There was a time in the body of Christ that you couldn't say you was right. Because if you said you were right, everybody would tell you you were wrong. You're wrong for that. You know you ain't right. And so we developed this habit. We can't say we right because we didn't feel like we were worthy. And in and of yourself, you're not. But the blood of Jesus made you worthy. And so he becomes Jehovah Tiskanu, your righteousness, not by anything that I've done, but because of what he's done, he made me right. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's Jehovah Nisim, the Lord God, my banner. I always win. He's given me the victory. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. I have nothing lacking, nothing missing in my life. He's Jehovah Rohi. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. You understand, every God provides everything for you in encompassed in his name, Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord God who sees ahead of time and already provided. Now, if I believe he's already provided, would I run into a need? I already know it's already done so I can give him thanks. So when you say Jesus, all of this shows up. Hallelujah. And last but not least, one of my... Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's ever-present. If you only knew that you're never by yourself, God is always with you. He wants relationship with you. It's not just a 
pastors or preachers or apostles. God loves you. When you lay down at night, God is there with you. When you wake up in the morning, he's there with you. When you do stuff you got no business doing, God is there with you. He's Jehovah Shammah. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be there with you. And that is such a powerful testimony because not only is God ever present and always there with you, he said, listen to me, nothing will ever separate you from my love ever again. I am always there. And when you say Jesus, guess what? He's always there. You ever been in a mall? How many moms we got in here? You get in the mall and you're doing your thing. Your kids are at home. They're not even in the mall. But somebody say, Mom, and how many you turn around? Why? Because you just might be your baby. Every time you say Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got his attention. And whatever you need him, he shows up. And all of his glory and all of who he is. He says, so we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into the courts without praise. Praise his holy name. Thank him for who he is in your life. When you, what time y'all leaving? <laughs> <laughs> I said to you before, thanksgiving is an indication of your faith. So if you believe in God for something, you thank him for it. Not wait till you see it to thank him because you don't have to see it to believe it when you're exercising faith. Now, what is faith? Wasn't a trick question. We're just fellowshipping with each other. Y'all can answer me. <laughs> what is faith? What is faith? Let's, let's just use Hebrews 11 and 1. What does it say? Now faith is. <laughs> now faith is. Now faith is. I thank him because it's done. Now faith is. Now. And so I don't have to wait. Listen, faith is always, your praise is always in response, and your faith is always in response to what God has already done. He's already did everything he's ever going to do for you, for real, for real. Seriously, y'all. He's already done it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14 says, everything that God does will endure forever. Can't nobody add to it. Can't nobody take away from it. Everything that God does, it will endure forever. Can't nobody change it or alter it. And say everything, he said, that God does, it will last, it will endure forever. Can't nobody take away from it. Whatever God has for you, he has for you. Can't nobody change that. Can't nobody take away from that. He does this so you would reverence him, revere him. And this is the most important thing. He wants you to know that he's God. Yeah. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, in Amplified Bible says that everything that now is has already been. Yeah. Everything that will be has already been. So my faith is in response to what's already been. It says God is looking for history to repeat itself. There's nothing new under the sun. God said history will repeat itself. Let me develop that a little bit further for you. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. Tell some we his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. 
We've been recreated in Christ Jesus. We've been born anew. He's been set us on the path to the good life. He rearranged, prearranged our lives ahead of time. So we will walk in that path that he has set for our lives. In other words, if you think about it, God has mapped out your whole entire life. Romans said you've been predestined by God. He mapped out your whole entire life, and then he rewound the tape and pushed play. Everything that God does has already, already been. Everything that now ends has already been. Everything that will be has already been. The thing you believe in God for has already been. The thing you believe in is already done. When you think about creation and how God created everything that he created, when he created creation and when he created man, he didn't, every time he wanted a man, he didn't create another man. When he wanted things to happen in the earth, he didn't create anymore. When he created the earth, he put everything in the earth it needed to do and be whatever God said it would be. So even when he wanted vegetation, when he wanted animals, and when he wanted stuff, he just spoke to his creation to bring up out of it what he put in it. And God will speak. Listen to me. He's already put everything in you to be successful in your life. It's already in you. And when you pray and believe God that it's already done with your thanksgiving, God will take that which he put inside of you and you will see it. So it's, somebody said it's already done. I've already got it. And I just have to just develop this just, just, Write it down and meditate on it later. He said in, Col in uh, Colossians 1, 20, he says, all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. Just make sure whatever you believe for is in him. Yeah. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. It's a very good point because you can't believe stuff that ain't the will of God for your life. Like, oh, I like that man. God, I want him. That's her husband. You can't have him. <laughs> so it's got to be in him. All right. <laughs> So all the promises of God are in him. He says, yes. And then in him, he says, amen. What does amen mean? It is done. So if you say, God, you know, I, I need this. He said, yes, it's done. So I can thank him because it's already done. Hallelujah. So God has provided all these things. So faith is, somebody said, now faith is. Just having an understanding of what that looks like. Now faith is. Like, I haven't had it yet. It ain't working for me. I didn't get the job. I don't know. Now faith is. Yeah. I have everything I need. God divinely supplies everything I need. Now faith is. And then he said, now faith is substance. The word substance means it will substantiate what you believe. Faith is the substance. It will substantiate what I believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance, it's the title deed, it's the confirmation. It substantiates the things I hope for. It becomes the proof of things I cannot see and the conviction of their reality. 
In other words, when I'm believing God for something, my faith substantiates, it confirms, it's the title deed I have. It's like having a confirmation to a hotel you ain't been in yet, but you got a confirmation number that when you get there, the room gonna be there. And so I have a confirmation of what I believe God, proof of things I can't. How do you know you got a room? I got the confirmation number. How do you know you're gonna get that rental car? I got the confirmation number. When you get there, they don't have no more cars. No, I got a confirmation that says I got a car. And you get that number, match it to that car, you bring me my car. And so I have a confirmation of proof of things uh, cannot see. And then it says convinced, the conviction of their reality. The reason why you can walk away without the car, without the room, is that you weren't convinced you had one. It says the conviction or to be convinced of its reality. You got to be convinced of the reality of what God is saying to you. Most people, again, believe, but they're not sure. They're not convinced. They're not like Abraham being fully persuaded. You got to be fully persuaded. You got to be convinced. I can't see it, but I'm convinced it's mine. I can't taste it, but I'm convinced it's mine. Can't touch it, but I'm convinced it's mine. Convinced of its reality. Faith, goes on to say, amplified, faith perceives as real fact what has not been revealed to your senses. Faith perceives as real. It's so real to me. What has not been revealed to my senses. I can't see it. I can't taste it. I can't touch it. I don't even feel it. I, I don't even feel My back still hurt, but I'm convinced that God, by his stripes, I'm healed. It don't feel like I'm healed, but I know that God healed me. And if I keep walking and talking like I know that God is saying to me, I'm convinced that healing belongs to me. I'm convinced that it is mine. Everything may look the same, but I am convinced. I can't see it. I can't hear. Everything is saying the total opposite of what I believe, but I am convinced. Convinced. And when you are convinced, you'll be like, verse 2, by this, all the elders received a good report. You'll receive a good report. And through faith, verse 3, we understand that your world is framed by a word from God. This is how you frame your world, by a word from God. So that everything that you now see will not be made from anything that did appear faith. You get to shape your world, frame your world by a word from God. Somebody said, I need a word from God. That's how you shape your world. It's by the word of God. There's nobody, you can, nobody can stop you from achieving anything or doing anything that you set yourself to do when you have a word from God. Absolutely nothing. If God put it in your heart to do it, have it, Achieve it, be it, and you get a word from God? Nothing. The only thing that can stop you is you. And letting somebody else talk you out of what God says belongs to you. So faith is what? Yeah. Now. Somebody said now faith is. So I'm going to close in a minute because I, I think I've been talking too much. <laughs> and, I, you know, if you have a question concerning this, I'll be glad to ask you, answer you. So let me give you some things for, about faith, some nuggets. We say faith is now. Faith is that which pleases God. If you want to please God, somebody said use faith. You got to believe. 
how many know what the scripture said? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God, you must what? You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that, that says a lot. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you come to God, you must believe. Believe what? That I'll get the car? Believe what? I'll get the job? Believe that he is. Believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. Because whether you get the car or get the job, he still is. You must believe that he is. There are some things that I thought I wanted and believed God for and didn't get. And now I see the results of what would have happened if I got it. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, it's always because, not because he didn't want me to have it, it's because he had something better for me. Hallelujah. I remember we signed a contract on the house and the con it didn't go through. I think I was telling them about this today. It didn't go through. And it was a beautiful house. I mean, if I describe it to you, you'd be like, wow. And it, the contract fell through. It didn't go through. And then, so I was like, well, my attitude's always, God got something better. And then when we found the house that we're living in now, I was like, Lord Jesus, thank you. I didn't get the other one because you, you outdid yourself this time, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? When you go to God, you must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so two, number two, number one, faith now is two, you must it pleases God. Three, faith is seeing beyond what you can see naturally. Again, faith perceives as real fact things that have not been revealed to your senses. 2 Corinthians 4.18 in the Amplified Bible says, Since we consider and look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are visible, temporal, brief, or fleeting. But the things that are not seen are invisible and deathless and everlasting. So while we look not at things that are seen, you can't, you got to take your eyes off your circumstances. You really, really do. And you have to look at things that are not seen. What is not seen? The things that you're believing, God, you don't see it. <laughs> so the things that are not seen, but the, look at things that you can't see. That is those things that are eternal things. It's the word of God. And when that word becomes greater than, bigger than any other word in your life, then here's the manifestation of it. The things that you can see, they're temporal. Anything that you can see is subject to change. Things that you cannot see, they cannot change. You hear me? You cannot change the word of God. You cannot change what God has said. Remember, God is not a man he would lie. You cannot change that. He said he's a healer. Guess what? You can't change that. He's the healer. He is who he says he is. And so you have to look at things beyond what you can see naturally and begin to see like God sees. In this, I won't be able to get through all of this. I really don't. In 2 Kings chapter 6, y'all remember the story of Elijah and Elijah? And Elijah is a prophet of God. He's a prophet. Let me help tell you the story. He's a prophet of God. And he has a whole army, a Syrian army, that's coming to kill him. He was a prophet that told the king of Israel every time that the enemy was attacking and where the enemy was going to show up. Isn't that good to know that every time the enemy was coming to get you, God would tell you, hey, the devil, get ready to come. Go the other way. 
He still does that. And so he, he tells them that, go the other way. And so the king of Assyria is like, who is in our camp telling Elijah or telling the king of Israel every time that we're attacking them? He says, nobody. God tells Elijah what, God, what you're saying on your, on your bed chambers. And he says, I'm going to kill Elijah. So he goes to Elijah's house and he surrounds his house. His whole army surrounds Elijah's house. And Elijah's servant, Gehazi, goes up. He wakes up in the morning and he looks out the window and he said, oh, my God, the whole army is going to kill us. He said, Master, we're going to die today. <laughs> and Elijah said, boy, you ain't going to die today. He said, there is more that is with us than they that are with them. Now, I don't know if you would know what that looks like, but a whole entire army is around his house. As far as you can see, there's an army. And he said, but there is more that is with us than they that are with them. He said, God, open his eyes that he may see. And God opened the eyes of his servant, and he saw chariots of fire, horses of fire, all around Elijah's home. He saw all these angelic hosts, and it was more with them than it was of the army that was coming against them. <laughs> Jesus. Put your hand over your eyes. Say, Lord, open my eyes that I might see. See, in order to use your faith, you got to look beyond what you can see naturally. You got to know that there's more that is with you than that was coming against you in the world. You got to. How was that? How did Elijah even come to that place? Elijah saw horses of chariots of fire before. When he was working with Elijah. And he received the double portion of Elijah anointing on his life. Elijah said to him, if you can see it, you can have it. God opened his eyes to see. And he saw something. And whatever you could see, you can have. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> Somebody said, whatever I see, that's what I can have. I remember when we were building our um, sanctuary that we have now um, some years ago, and they were trying to figure out the drawing of how to build this building. So Pastor Tony had this vision of what the church should look like. And so he begins to share. He sits down with the architects and said, I want, I want, to, I want a dome-shaped roof, and I want to lower the floor like theater styles. And, I want, and they said, well, you can't do that in that building. And he says, yes, you can. He says, no, there's too many columns. He said, well, take all the columns out, raise the roof, lower the floor. And he said, you can't do that. He said, no, if I can see it, you can do it. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. <laughs> if I can see it, listen to me, if you can see it, you can have it. Say, Lord, open my eyes that I might see. Faith gives you access to the supernatural. It is through our faith that we've accessed, just like Elijah and Elijah. We have access into the supernatural, living life beyond this natural world by our faith. Faith is not natural. You don't naturally have faith. Faith comes from God. Romans 12 said God gave every single one of us the measure of faith for the grace of God that is on your life. Whatever God has graced you with, whatever grace God has graced you to be or to do, he gives you the anointing to be it and to do that. And that has nothing to do with your natural ability. It's always supernatural. Your natural 
person of who you are has limitations on your life. You can't do but so much. You can't go but so far, whether it's your education or how much money you have in the bank. But when you live supernaturally, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You don't have limits. You don't have human limitations in your life. It allows God to put some super on your natural and allow you to live life outside of your natural ability. That's grace. Grace is the ability to live life beyond my natural ability. It allows me to live life beyond my human ability. It allows me to live life like God. And so faith releases you into the supernatural. How many want to live supernaturally? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a great way to live. But all of these things are so key and important to your life. And living this life of supernatural, again, let me give you an example of that. Living life beyond your natural ability. Because it's not like, you know, you don't, some people don't even know what their human limitations are to even go beyond it. <laughs> and so, for example, Romans chapter 4. God speaks to Abraham, you're going to have a son. He didn't have the natural ability to have a son. He's 100 years old, and his wife is 90 years old. She's barren. She can't have a child. So Abraham can't depend on his natural ability, but Abraham had faith in God, and he lived life in the supernatural, and he tapped into that, and Abraham became like God, and he began to call things that be not as though they were. And so Abraham lived beyond his natural ability, and y'all know the story. He considered not his own body. He didn't consider no longer the natural. If you're still considering things in the natural, you're not living supernatural. He no longer considered his body now dead, nor the deadness of his wife's womb, but he was what? Fully persuaded that God was able to do exactly what he said to do. How will you know he was fully persuaded? He gave glory to God. What did he do? He thanked him. God said, you're going to have a child. He said, thank you. I never had one, ain't had one. He said, thank you. God gives your promises way beyond you. You're going to get a promotion on your job. I'm not even qualified, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. God can supernaturally cause you to live life like God when you exercise your faith. And you got to be like God, like Abraham, and call those things that be not as though they were. And Abraham lived life. And then it just didn't stop with his son. Didn't stop with Isaac. You know, Sarah passed away. Abraham got married again. He's over 100 years old. Guess what? He had five more children. <laughs> it, when you believe God for something, sometimes we believe God for something, and you get it, and you think that's it. But God says as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. It will never cease. It's going to always keep producing for you when you release faith. Hallelujah. And so here, that's so much more. But tapping in, it allows you to live life in the spiritual, supernatural realm. Faith is released through words. Abraham, like God, call those things that be not as though they were. Have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall what? Say. Whosoever what? Say. Whosoever shall say. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say come to pass. You're going to have whatever 
you say. Not what I say. You going to have whatever? I can say some things about you all day, but if you don't believe what I say about you, what you say, then you're never going to have what you say. You got to have what you say before you have what you say. And so he says, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, don't doubt in your heart. Why don't doubt in your heart? Doubt is an enemy to your faith. Remember he said, a man that doubts, James 1 says, a man that's double-minded, is unstable in all his ways. He said, don't let that man think he will receive anything from God. Now, don't misunderstand. God is a good God. Don't think you will receive anything from God, not because he doesn't want you to have it. The reason why you don't receive is because you double-minded. You don't know what you want. One minute you say one thing, and the next minute you're saying something else. He don't know what to give you because you don't know what you want. You got, listen, you got to have what you say before you have what you say. And he said, if you say to this mountain, get out of here, it's going to obey you if you don't doubt in your heart, know what you want. Mean what you say, and he said, you will have it. The emphasis in your life is not trying to move a mountain. Because most of you, when you look at it, it's too big. You can't do it. you like, oh, God, please help me. You, the emphasis is not on the mountain. The mountain is not even significant at all. He said in, in Matthew, the same illustration, I believe, is Matthew 17 or Matthew 21, Matthew 21, he says, listen, it doesn't matter whether it's a fig tree or whether it's a mountain. It doesn't matter what the thing is. He said, the here is, believe what? That's all that matters is what you say. So whether it's a small thing, whether it's toilet paper, whether it's a jet, just believe what you say. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Those things matter to us. Well, I can believe God for $10. I don't know if I can believe him for $100. That's $100. That's a lot of money. It's a matter of what you say. If you just believe what you say, your faith is released in, somebody said words. words. And one thing, you have to, I don't know what number this is, but keep believing. Don't stop. Don't ever stop believing God. No matter what it looks like, in your life. The enemy will always come and try to give you a smoke screen, tell you it ain't going to happen for you. Your grandma died, you're going to die too. You know, so-and-so didn't get what she believed God for too, and she deserved it because she's a good person, and so it's not going to work for them, it's not going to work for you, so why are you believing? Whatever you do, don't stop believing. Yeah. Somebody said keep believing. keep believing. Just no matter what the circumstances look like, just keep believing. And what are we believing? Believe that he is has nothing to do with your circumstances or that thing that you wanted or that car you wanted or the house you wanted. Those are just, just external, don't mean nothing. Just believe that he is. Just keep believing. And you will always see manifestations in your life. Faith is always in response to what God has done. The actual root, the root word for faith means amen. So every time I release faith, somebody said it's done. Somebody said it's finished. Faith makes the impossible possible. All things are possible to him that what? Somebody said I'm a believer. All things are possible to him 
that can believe. No such thing is not impossible, but all things are possible with you because you believe. You remember, you have to have a word from God. When you have a word from God, it makes all things possible for you that believe. Anytime you can see the word, Matthew 13, anytime you can see the word, hear the word, understand the word of God, you can be changed into the same word you see, hear, and understand. Faith in the word of God is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. That's how you get everything you need in God's kingdom. You are citizens of his kingdom. You're in this world, but you're not of it. You come from the kingdom of heaven. In the world, you need money, you need influence, you need to be the right color of skin, the right gender, but in the kingdom of heaven, all you need is a word from God. His word is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. As long as you got a word from God, you have money in the bank. And you got a guarantee of your deposits that you make the Holy Spirit guarantees God's word manifesting in your life. Stand to your feet.